James Harden is a Philadelphia 76er. Rich and I dive into our initial reactions of the trade, whether or not we were surprised that it came to be, and what the immediate needs are for the Sixers in the buyout market. Enjoy the podcast. All right, welcome everybody. This is Derek Bodner, joined by Rich Hoffman on the Sixers Beat, a part of the Athletics Podcast Network. Got a few things to talk about. Um, we'll try to keep this relatively brief. We'll have a much deeper dive over the weekend. But first, before we get to any of that, how you doing, Rich? I'm doing great, Derek. And, you know, I know all of our listeners really care about our life and how easy things are for us. But I will say the NBA trade, trade deadline being at three o'clock and the Sixers getting a deal done at one. It's great. Once we get done this podcast, I'm done my work. All yeah, right, pop, let's talk about James Harden. Pop your one beer. I've got my Zach Lowe one beer downstairs. Oh, I should I should get one right I, now. I'm I not should. gonna get one. I'm not gonna. I, get one. I, we we can pause the podcast if you want. It's sort of like a trade deadline tradition. Uh, but no, I have my Zach Lowe one beer from a Ricky event over the, the fall. I was gonna bring it up. I completely forgot. I feel guilty now. But we will continue on the podcast because we are professionals. Obviously, the news of the day: uh, the Sixers traded Ben Simmons. Andre Drummond, Seth Curry, a 2022 first round pick and a 2027 first round pick for James Harden and Paul Millsap. Now, the 2022 first round pick, the Nets have the right to defer that until 2023. Basically, if the pick looks too good uh, or too bad, they can go now. Nah, fuck that. I want that pick next year. That's how that works. 2027 first round pick is top eight protected. Um, so, yeah, those are those are the two draft yeah. picks six are sending out. Go ahead. Here's a question for you because I haven't been able to get this um, confirmed. What what is the deal with the Oklahoma City pick in terms of the because the Oklahoma City pick runs into that 2027 pick? Yeah, it's a it's a 2025 top eight protected. No, oh, I should have that up. Hold on, I have it not too far away. But yeah, so it's a 2025 first round pick, top six protected. It then becomes top four protected in 2026, and and then top four protected again in 2027. Um, so yeah. Yeah. So there's going to have to be a clarification on how that works. Uh, did they remove the protections on that pick? Did they do like first allowable after that? I, I mean, that's it's a difference. I, look, we uh, t- you've already dropped an f bomb. So this is the this is the fuck draft picks uh, move by Daryl Morey. The Sixers are in the fuck draft picks era of uh, of Sixers basketball. They're certainly firmly in that now. Uh, but but I I would like some clarification on that. Though. Yeah, and look, you can't completely say F draft picks because you are going to need other players to mm. round out the roster. You are going to need other veterans to trade for. That will become, and look, I think a lot of, you know, they have what they have right now. Uh, maybe they go back in the, the buyout market, which maybe now they can be like legitimate players in, but you might see maybe a, a big man because I think Paul Millsap might be pretty far into that rinse cycle. Uh, he might be pretty far washed. You might need another big man to play backup center, but... Outside of that, the team that you have is what you have. I do think there could be some pretty significant reshuffling here in the offseason. It would be great to have a little bit more flexibility with those draft picks, but you got to give up something to get something. They certainly paid far less for James Harden this year than they would have last year at this time. They also get him for one one fewer stretch run, but they paid less for him now. Um, the overall amount they gave up is fair. Uh, you know, they obviously priority was holding on to Tyrese Maxey. Uh, and Matisse Thibel, they succeeded in that. Um, I think those are two things which aren't similar, 
uh, and they were grouped similar a lot in those conversations, or at least in the reporting of those conversations, um, but they were successful in keeping those two players. I think that's a huge consideration, especially on Maxi's part. Uh, we can get into that a little bit later, but you have to give up something. And I, th I think, you know, there's a lot of sort of uh, saber rattling of sorts. There's a lot of stuff coming out from the Sixers side that, you know, oh, we don't feel compelled to make a trade now. We feel like we can get him in the summer. I think you should have been pushing really hard to get him now. I think this trade sort of shows that they were pushing, you know, privately pretty hard to get him now, even if their public stance was a little bit softer than that. I think getting James Harden for this run here is important. I think they should have been willing to give up those draft picks and Seth Curry to do so, even if it might've been able to cost them a little bit less in the summer. How much would it have sucked if they didn't make this deal? Well, I mean, you and I have talked about it, but we're we're not exactly neutral observers here. We would have had to continue talking about Ben Simmons, which we weren't necessarily looking to do. But look, passing up on this and, and by the way, by the way, like there, there's two parts of this. There's they got James Harden, which is a big deal. But there's also like, thank God, I don't have to talk about Ben Simmons yes, anymore. Yes, and enough is enough. Look, and most people for the most part don't want to hear about us complain about our jobs. But I think most fans are saying, oh, thank God, I don't have to talk about Jan or Ben Simmons anymore. Well, well, and here's the other part of it too. Because he, here's why this would have sucked, not just because of Ben Simmons, because, again, I, I think he would have been out of sight, out of mind. Like, I, I think there's a chance he might have left the team completely after after this, knowing that, you know, he's not going to play for them anymore. What would have sucked is that they they would have had no chance this year. We yeah. would have continued to talk and write about this team, but there would have been no juice. There would have been no even potential to win a title. Daryl Morey, he talks about championship odds all the time. I don't know what they're at now. You can I argue. Think I had, I think it was Betts Daily. I don't remember exactly where I saw oh, it. But I think, I think they were tied at uh, with the Nets and the the Bucks at like plus three hundred. Okay, but betting odds are different than the actual sure, odds of, of them winning of a championship. So, oh, and, and that was that was the win the East, by the way. If we're going anyway, go ahead. Okay, yeah, and I would even say for win the East, I don't know what their odds are right now, but they were zero. If they didn't make a move, it just, I mean, and that was the other thing too. You, you got asked over the past couple of days, well, if they don't trade Ben Simmons, could they make another trade for another player? And no, they couldn't have because they couldn't have used any of the draft picks. That would have been stupid because they still would have had to make the Ben Simmons trade, which they made today. And they wouldn't have done it because it wouldn't have put them over the top. It wouldn't have really increased their odds all that much. So they have a chance this year. So I think for two reasons, they really wanted to make that trade this week. And I think Daryl Morey in these negotiations did a nice job pointing out to Brooklyn, like just that, that looming thread of, Hey, we can sign this guy in free agency. We might not want to do it, but we have that option and you could have it. Nothing it could be like, I don't think they're ever likely to sign him in free agency. We can get into that later, but I don't think that was ever a huge threat just because James would have had to give up so much money. But anyway, that's an interesting part, but I mean, Hey, the reporting here is that the James Harden really wants to be in Philadelphia. So no. that, and that, that regardless of whether or not he, and look, we can get into whether or not he actually would have just like doesn't walked matter. in free they, agency they threatened him. or whether or not he just would have, you know, the way I wrote it a, a couple of days ago was he could have just been like, Hey, do you remember how I was in Houston in 2020, you know, coming into the season? Like, do you want that derailing your season? <laughs> like he could just had that threat out there and forced to trade that way after opting in the final year. Either way, the key thing that changed here and why I started thinking this was really likely to happen here in the uh, before the deadline is that it became abundantly obvious to the Nets and everyone around James Harden and then eventually to people outside of that uh, sphere that James Harden, not only there are two things, 
first that he had eyes for Philadelphia and Daryl Morey and Joel Embiid. And we sort of kind of knew that because those two have always been so connected. And also that he was really unhappy in Brooklyn. And once it got to that point, exactly how um, the logistics of getting to Philly happened, whether that was at the deadline, whether that was in July, whether that was signing as a free agent, whether that was, you know, demanding a trade, it almost didn't seem like it mattered because it was, again, it was just sort of like logistics at that point. Um, So that was a real domino that dropped was the fact that those two things, he wanted Philly, he really wanted out of Brooklyn. Um, and those two things just made this feel like an eventuality at some point. And as we have heard all year, are the Sixers wasting a season of Joel Embiid's prime by not making a move? And the answer would have been yes. Now, if they would have held on to Ben Simmons, you can make the argument, hey, maybe they make a trade in the offseason that extends that window. And that's kind of what Daryl Morey said. Don't make an incremental move for now. But like, look, the rest of the season would have sucked. They would have been drawing dead in the playoffs. And so now the fact that they're not automatically drawing dead in the playoffs is great. But number two, I think you kind of touched on this. They can see how Embiid and Harden fit, and they can have a better idea of what to do yeah. in the offseason. Because, like, look, I think this year and next year or prior year, two guarantees that Harden's still going to be at a pretty high level. I mean, obviously, you don't know if he'll get hurt or whatever. But, like, I don't see James Harden completely falling off a cliff in the next yeah. two years. Uh, so those are the years that you're really going for it. Hopefully he can do something uh, to stave off this aging curve. I mean, look, they're like the, the optics of this with him just forcing his way out of a situation that admittedly sucked. Like, I don't want to uh, completely pile on him. Kyrie Irving not getting a vaccine is a killer. It's just a killer. Like, and he went from a place in Houston to try and win a title basically thinking, all right, I have these other two guys now. Now, KD getting hurt all the time, that's that's another thing. That's just unlucky. But I have a guy willingly sitting out for half the games while I have to play with this terrible spacing and all of these kind of... And Joe this, Harris going out too. Like When you really watch that team, like they, and it's, it's weird to say because you look at it and you go, oh, well, they have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and James Harden on the roster. They should have great spacing. Well, those three never fucking play. They never play. And when you start looking at some of James Harden's um, on-off splits when he's paired with Kevin Durant, he had like a 62% true shooting uh, when the two of them were on the floor and then like a 54% true shooting when he was playing without Kevin Durant. So I think when you look at it, look, this has been the worst season of James Harden's career since he left Oklahoma City. Um, And it's tough to compare Oklahoma City because he was in such a different role. This has been the worst statistical season. Watching him, it's been the worst. And I think a lot of that is age. I think some of that is, you know, he's really dealing with injuries for the first time in his career. But part of that is he has very little help. And at least with, you know, Houston, when those teams were built around him, he didn't have a ton of help in terms in, in the form of like star level offensive players. But he had a team very specifically designed around his skill sets. And Brooklyn wasn't really designed around his skill sets at all outside of the big two that that were supposed to be around him that very rarely were. And here's the thing. He made it work when they played. They had the best offense in the entire NBA last season. And yeah, his numbers were a little bit down last season, but he took on a winning facilitating role. Yeah, Let and, Kyrie be the shooting guard. By the way, he was in the MVP conversation. Because he was awesome. He was, he was awesome. He was controlling the strings of that offense. And look, is it kind of easy to control the strings when you have KD and Kyrie making literally every single jumper they take? Yeah, yeah, it's a little bit easy. But still, like I think there was the the argument 
when they when he was first traded to the Nets, everybody, oh, is is one ball going to be enough for these guys? It was plenty, and they would have won the title if those guys stayed healthy. I'm pretty convinced of that. And I think if Joe Harris is healthy and Kyrie was playing in all the games this year, I think they would have won the title this year as well. But I guess for some reason, you know, he, you know, the Kyrie thing, and I don't know his friendship with like Michael Rubin, and I'm, I'm sure that's not that story is not going away anytime soon. Um, how that uh, how that noise got to this level over the past few weeks. He is now a Philadelphia 76. So uh, real quick, like big picture takeaway. Like you said, like I, I think Seth and Andre and those picks, those are real things to give up. Like those are, you know, they had to pay more to get rid of Ben Simmons. If you told me at the start of this whole thing that they would get James Harden for Ben Simmons and Maxi would take a step up and they didn't have to trade him. And Thibel, who is, I agree with you, is not the same pro, uh, type of prospect as Maxi, but is sneaky, very important for this team now. Um, to keep him as well, keep their two best young players, I would have been stunned. Yeah. Yeah. No, and look, it, it, it took nine months. You know, what was it, like July of last year? What was the combine last year? Because it was all funky because of the – I think it was maybe June. June think, of last yeah. year. And end of June, they lost in the playoffs. Yeah, when, when, when you know, Sixers Brass had that meeting with Rich Paul, and he was like, I went out. I want, I want Ben somewhere else. Ben wants to go somewhere else. To now, it took him nine months, endless drama, End of the day, they're here at the trade deadline, 32 and 22. I think like two and a half games out of first place in the East. And they have a team sent around Joel Embiid and James Harden. Like everyone talking worse. about wasting, like wasting a year of Joel Embiid's prime would have been trading him for Buddy Heald and, um, you know, Harrison Barnes. That would have been wasting, that would have been wasting a couple of years. Um, so it ended up working out, waiting worked. Um, I do think they were right to be a little more aggressive now than they would have been waiting in the, until the summer. Um, no, I you, think you have an opportunity now. Yep. You do it. Yep. Yeah. Um, and, and I always said this whole time, like th- this whole, uh, this whole interlude period was completely endless. It sucked to talk about all of those things. My, my, my point on this was like, I, if he ends up with a star level player, who cares how they got there? Yep. Nope. In 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 three years, we will focus on whether or not James Harden had anything left, whether or not the, they could figure out how to make it work on a basketball court. Uh, whether or not you know James Harden could overcome some of his playoff demons, we will not care what happened between November and February of 2021 and 2022. We just won't care. It won't matter. And I can only judge the thing right now. I have some serious concerns about Harden and how he's going to age and how he's playing worse this year. But I, I mean, like again, I, I did not think they were going to be able to get a player of this caliber for Ben Simmons and some stuff. Yeah. So Absolutely. I don't know. I, 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 you got to judge it right now. And from, from the, uh, from the information I know, I, I think this whole period waiting Joel Embiid kind of carrying the team for that period of time, Tyrese Maxey helping carry that team. Hey, here's your congratulations. You don't get traded either. Uh, it's pretty good. You know, I, again, I, I don't know if it's going to work. I don't know if they're going to win a championship. Uh, we're not going to completely talk about, uh, the fit because we'll have a lot of interesting time to talk about the the on-court stuff um in the in the coming days coming weeks all that all those things i, I think it's a really good moment for daryl Morey, and he was I, I think he was flat out right to wait yeah and like and i mean we said this on the podcast we said this writing back in the beginning of the, the this whole saga um you know a lot of people are like well how is ben sims not playing gonna increase his trade value 
Well, because other teams around you are going to freaking implode. You're going to have, um, you know, you had the Pacers, you had the Kings, you had the Nets eventually implode. Boston for a second there looked like they could. Teams getting worse around you, becoming more desperate, wanting to change, needing a change, players asking out. Something was eventually going to happen. It didn't happen last summer in the time frame that we all wanted it to. But I think Daryl was, was right that eventually something was going to happen. And look, the moment Daryl was hired, I had people within the front office telling me, everything's about James Harden. Everything, everything, everything. This was two months before rumors came out that he was pursuing James last January, 14 months now before um, he eventually landed him. But as long as James Harden was a theoretical possibility of being moved, Daryl was going to have interest. And that doesn't mean Daryl was going to pass up a great opportunity if it came across his desk. None of those happened. So when it got to the point where is Daryl going to pass up these, you know, C minus chances to see what happens with James Harden, especially as it started to become obvious that James wasn't happy in Brooklyn. Yeah, I, th I think Daryl was going to wait this one out and it turned out to be tr the correct call. It, honestly, trust the process was gone here. W what's the result of this? H how does this thing end? Ends with James Harden. Thumbs up. Um, so yeah. I guess let's. We don't want to dive too deep into the analysis uh, because we will have plenty of podcasting and writing to do that. Who do, are you looking at? Who do you think this impacts the most? And who do you think is most critical to the Sixers finding success this year? Hmm. Well, I, I think Embiid and no, 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 Harden. not not Embiid and Harden. We're throwing them out. That's too obvious. Okay. Uh, who is the most critical player right now? So, you know, just looking at. Uh, at kind of their top players, I think it's the two players that they kept in that trade. Because I look at Tobias, if he just plays you, like he... Do you had, think it, both of them start? you think Maxi and Thibel continue to start? Yeah, I actually think he does. I, I just, I think Danny Green obviously is a better fit with the shooting. I'm, I'm, I am a Danny Green person in general. Who Who is guarding opposing wings? Da Danny Green guarding opposing wings? Uh-uh. If it's like a top-level score. I don't want to see that. Maxi and Thibel might be the worst catch and shoot shooting pair James Harden has maybe ever played with. Yeah. And, and that's why I said Maxi is the, the other one too. Yeah. It's look, it's, it's problematic. Uh, the, the defense. I mean, I think, so let me ask you this uh, to, while we get at this buyout market, what are, what's the bigger need a backup center or another, another wing who can give you, I don't even know, 15 minutes a game. And like, I mean, like guard With, a guy and make a shot. Yeah. Look, I mean, it, I guess it probably depends on, on who that is. I want to say backup center because they just have nobody even close. Like I don't like doc's not going into a playoff series, trusting Paul Reed or Charles Bassett. <laughs> That's not happening. Well, but they have to trust somebody. No, he's going to have to trust somebody else. They really could use a wing. That isn't a liability at something at, at either end of the court. It's probably so, so a big man, but it's close. It, it might come down to the best of whichever one you can get. And that's where, you know, this team is going to have to win with Embiid and, and Harden kind of lifting all lifting all boats. Is that the, the term? I don't even know. Sure. Sure. Yeah, I'm an idiot. I don't even know. My brain is fried anyway. Um, yeah, I, I think those two are just going to have to find a synergy to, to raise everything up because, well, that's the problem with the current lineup. You're right. As a catch and shoot pair, 
Thibault, especially Thibault, is ter- terrifying. I do think you can tell Maxi, hey, dude, just shoot a little bit. Stop more. pump thinking. Yeah. Stop pump thinking. Shoot. He, he's the frustrating one, right? Because he is actually shooting well on catch and shoots. Um, Synergy had him at uh, 37.5%. But the problem is 75% of his jump shots are off the dribble. He, uh, he, t- he takes Pull maybe up. one catch and shoot jumper a game. He needs to be willing to take three or four a game. Uh, he is, they, they need, James Harden's going to have the ball a lot. ISO, pick and roll. They need players who are threats to shoot off the ball. Right now, defenses can leave Thibault and Maxi pretty freely uh, and without much concern. I don't, Matisse Thibault's not going to change that. He's just, he's not going to become a 40% three-point shooter here over the next couple of months. Tyrese Maxey has a chance to change that, but he has to be willing and confident enough to do so. That is a massive, massive, massive development in his game long-term, but also in the Sixers reaching any kind of upside this year. Yeah, he's definitely more comfortable taking the the pull-up three off the dribble, which, by the way, that's the other thing when you were alluding that Maxey is a different caliber of a player than Thibault. To keep Maxey around, like, and I'm not predicting he's going to be, uh, you know, a top five player in the league, but he has like the theoretical upside to take over the reins from Harden whenever he ages out of being good. And whether whether you have to trade him eventually to to find a better fit, or you can just grow him to be Harden's successor at some point, holding on to him, big deal. Huge, huge. Well, especially because first of all, you're not going to have a top draft pick anyway because Joel Embiid, as long as he's healthy, is going to be good enough to lift you out of the lottery. You're not going to have any cap space, especially if you sign uh, Harden to an extension, which you assume that's probably part. Like, I don't think the Sixers would have traded for him if they planned on letting Harden walk. Um, I would assume there's a six-month waiting period before they can offer him that extension. Uh, that extension is going to be terrifying. You need somebody, because you don't have cap space for free agents, because you don't have draft picks, to go out and replenish that. You need somebody to either develop into that or have the trade value that you can trade for it uh, in order to maximize the second half of Joel Embiid's prime. You're absolutely right. Keeping Maxi was huge. Even if I have some concerns over how he's going to play an off-ball role, keeping him is huge. Developing him, him is huge. And also, Doc getting these rotations right is going to be huge, too. Um, and that's, I think Doc is a, a real key here. A real key. Yeah, it, it's on him. And, and in some ways, I think, I don't know, like, I think some of his strengths are uh, are finding a good offensive ecosystem for everybody. I don't think that's that hard. That's like having Embiid and Harden run some pick and roll and kind of figure out where to do stuff. Rich, if we see one more all-bench unit for like any game that both of them, all, or all three of them especially, are available, there cannot be a single all-bench unit ever. Well, that's what ever, I mean. Some of the ever, other things that Doc ever. is, that is a part of the Doc package, top 15 coach of all time, Doc Rivers, mind you. Uh, he, uh, no, he's going to have to, he's going to have to balance the, you know, this team. And you're right. Th- there should not be, Look, they got to go back to one of Harden or Embiid on the court at all times. Harden is now Simmons in that regard. It just you just have to do that. And you know, Maxi and Embiid have played really well together recently. Great, he can handle those minutes when Harden's not in the game. It's it's so weird that the Sixers now, and this has to be the first time that they have two normal ass point guards <laughs> who can dribble and shoot and pass a little bit, pass a lot of bit. In Harden's uh, Harden's case. And it's just weird that they have two. They have 48 minutes of just normal, like above average point guard play. It's just weird. So, so that's part of it. You mentioned uh Thibel and how that could um that could be a concerning fit with the with the catch and shoot. 
I'm, I just looked at his stats. He's shooting 36% on corner threes. I'm sure that's on like 0.5 corner threes a game or whatever. You got to put him on the PJ Tucker plan, cement his feet into the corner. Come on, man. You got to make 40% of these. Cause these are going to be like the easiest the wind. shots. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Check the wind. Like, Oh, do I need to get my hands on the seams? Right? Like, I wonder what I'm getting for dinner afterwards. And then you shoot it. That's how easy those shots are going to be. You got to make those. And so I, I don't know. You either have that problem with the, uh, with the shooting or you have Danny green guarding the other team's best players and getting is absolutely torched. So I, I don't know what the right answer is there. It's why Sixers are a little bit dicey. Uh, you know, they, they have these top two players and that's a big deal, but finding the fit with the rest of the crew is, uh, is going to be interesting. And that's something I guess we're going to talk about a lot here. Yeah. And I look, I think Danny green, George Yang, like they're going to get a lot of open shots. They could look a little bit better offensively than they have. Not that they weren't getting open shots before because Joel was creating them, but now you have two guys who are creating them. Those bench, mostly bench units. If Doc does stagger them, and and my gosh, if he doesn't stagger them, Sixers Twitter is going to lose their mind. He's going to stagger. He better stagger them. I think um, I think Daryl might have told him, like before we make this trade, you're staggering, right? Like, <laughs> that's it. That should help all of those bench guys so much. I worry about Tobias a little bit, not because like Tobias is now in a role that he's qualified to be in, but gosh, it would be just nice if he was just like a let it fly guy. Um, you know, Tobias dribble, yeah. dribble, you know, two steps in shoot a, take a floater has got to just go. It's got to go. Like you oh. need him launching five threes a game, minimum, minimum. And I'm not sure he's going to be comfortable doing that. He's going to get fewer pick and rolls uh, to sort of get to his spots. He's going to get fewer post-ups, which, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with, um, but you need him taking those spot up threes. Uh, and he's, that's not really his comfort zone. I don't have the stats in front of me. And by the way, Tobias Harris now on your team for the rest of the year. So, uh, and, and with a team that potentially has a chance to win something, it's good news. He's playing a lot better recently. Yep. He looks healthier. I mean, some of the, he had a dunk the other night against Phoenix. I was like, man, it's nice to see that. God, his knee was not able to to throw down something in traffic like that. But you are right in that like, it, it wasn't the let it fly stuff. It was pick and rolls, getting all the way to the basket, you know, attacking closeouts, a little bit of post up, all those things. Yeah, you need him to be a stretch for and let it fly. Is he perfect for that? No. Is he perfect for... Uh, for the defensive end. And we're going to talk about that next because, oh boy. And by the way, you might, you're talking about, you have Tobias for the stretch run. You might have Tobias for the foreseeable future. You don't have very many picks to get, to use to get off of that contract anymore. Might, like you, you might have him for two more years. Yeah. Um, it, it's, we'll see. As you all know, by now we've teamed up with bet MGM this season. We'll be using the bet MGM lines to make all our picks and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use the bonus code TABasketball and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic. Plus, up to a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code TABasketball. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game. Claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 21 plus to wager. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana... 
Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, 1-800-522-4700 in Kansas and Nevada, 1-800-327-5050 Massachusetts, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone else close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, and Utah and other states where prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use the bonus code TABASKETBALL and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager. We'll see. I know a lot of people say, all right, great, he's a third option. That's the right role for Tobias. Well, is it, though? Like, Tobias is one of those guys where it's like, he needs a ball in order to be his best self, but does his best self warrant having a ball that much? Eh, we'll see. We'll see. I have my uh, I have my concerns. I have my concerns. The only positive from him, and, and I'll say this, like, I think Harden has looked a little slower this year. Sure. All those things. At his best, that dude is a genius, man. That yep. dude is a savant in terms of passing and making everybody better. You know, if uh, if Tobias can't get along with that, you have a little bit of a problem. No, I mean, look, Tobias will get easier shots. Uh, he should be able to be efficient. It's less that Tobias will fail in his role. It's more that we will say, well, if you had a stretch four or somebody who might be a little bit more limited overall, but costs less money and is more willing to let it fly, would it be a, a, a you know, would that be a better allocation of resources? But you can't you can't change the contract. Contract is what it is. Like I said, you have fewer means to get off of that contract now. So again, Doc has got to be able to find a role that makes him effective and also continues to space the floor because James need needs space. Um, especially he's playing with a center who, as much as Joel Embiid can shoot, he's not like a pure stretch five. Like he's going to want the ball. He's not a huge rim running threat. Like James is going to need some space, uh, and they need to space space that floor for. Speaking of the buyout market, why not run back Ilyasova and Bellinelli? Sure. Kidding. What is Ilyasova doing nowadays? Do we know? I just looked it up. Uh, Bellinelli is playing in the Italian league. That makes sense. And Ilyasova, Ilyasova played for the Jazz a little bit this year. I think during that uh, during that time during the Omicron surge, he was during he, the, I think, the I, Joe Johnson Joe Joe Johnson era of NBA basketball in 2022. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he got a 10 day there, so I'm pretty sure he's available. All right. So defensively, Harden not exactly known as a lockdown defender. <laughs> Not exactly known as the most engaged defender. <laughs> Obviously, he's only replacing Seth Curry, so it's not like he's replacing a stout defender. No, that's true. But there just aren't, like, you're talking about Matisse Thibel and a whole bunch of, and, and Joel Embiid and a whole bunch of guys. And maybe and Danny, Danny Green's Green, hands. You can his talk, hands, not, not his feet. His feet. <laughs> sure. You can talk me into Danny Green being a useful defender, but he's not going to lock very many guys down. How do they make this all work on that end? And again, it's one thing to win games in the regular season when there's just not going to be very many teams that can match up with Embiid and Harden. But when you start getting in the playoffs, it's still a little bit concerning. Well, at least they gave Brooklyn Seth Curry. That's somebody Harden can hunt like crazy on the other end. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that is nice to have too. Yeah, the defense... Dan Burke is just as important as Doc is. And look, he's been important all year. Like Tyrese Maxey and Seth Curry as your backcourt, that's just not going to cut it in the playoffs. Yeah, it's, uh, look, Harden's defense, it's just bad. The, and this is the exact wrong system to try to hide him into. 
Well, yeah, because in Houston, the way they found a workaround is that they switched everything one to five because he is too lazy to get around screens. He does not want to do that. Yep. Switching requires the least individual effort. Yep. And what is he okay at? He's at, he's okay when a bigger guy tries to post him up. Yep. Cause he's got a, uh, he's got a, I wouldn't say Kyle Lowry in him. He's got a little Kyle Lowry. Maybe the, (laughs) maybe the, the weight is distributed in another part of his body instead of his, uh, (laughs) instead of Kyle Lowry's. I don't know. I sounded like an idiot right now. Okay. The, uh, but hard, decent post defender, like not the worst individual defender. Okay. But here's the thing. Houston switched everything one to five. Clint Capella was the five. They had Trevor Ariza. They had Luke. They had Eric Gordon. They had the personnel to do that. Okay. You can't do that here because number one, Tyrese Maxey is on this team and Tyrese Maxey can't switch a lot of stuff because he's small and he can get scored on. But you know who else you don't want switching? He probably can do it. Okay. Like I was watching the, uh, the other day's game in Chicago against DeMar DeRozan. You know who the Sixers' best chance to guard DeMar DeRozan that game was? Joel Embiid. But that's not where he's most effective. You want him no. around the basket, and you want him not switching. Right. Um, it's, it's one but, thing to say, like, can he do it? Yeah, he can do it, especially if you're talking about a couple of possessions in the playoffs. It's just not how you maximize them. It's not how he covers up uh, as many flaws in the defense. Yeah, it's it's a legit concern. And, and I wonder, I mean, they're really going to have to try and find somebody on the buyout market, but the buyout market is not that fruitful you know I, I think honestly just looking at the the list of players that could be reasonably available i mean gary harris would be a huge deal in my opinion um but really like the rest of these guys i'm not seeing the guy who can play 20 minutes a game for you uh able to do that so that's that's a legit concern i mean i think the sixers are going to have to go with the intention of we're going to be like a top three or four offense and Embiid's going to make us a top 10 defense. That's yeah. got to be the, the general thing. I yeah. mean, it's always funny when you say they got to try and outscore the other team. It's like, well, when you win with defense, you outscore the other team as well, right. but you, you need to lean on your offense. More. Yeah. And, uh, and look, I think they, they're going to be able to do that. Like I, I do have some concerns with Harden and his, um, his lack of versatility on offense. It's weird. Like he's an offense onto himself, but he's not a great off ball player. No. Uh and it's just interesting because like with MB, like Capello is the perfect big man for him, right? Because he, he caught lobs and he switched on defense and you don't want him switching on defense because he can do more than that. He can, he can protect the rim. And the one thing he really can't do, I asked him about this the other day in Chicago, he doesn't want to catch lobs. That's too much jumping for him. He's not even that good at it. Really. It's the one thing he's not that good at. So that's going to be like an interesting thing. Like I, I, I think both of them are smart enough players and we have talked about recently how Joel's offensive IQ has started to creep up to that defensive IQ that was uh, was natural for him right away. I think they're smart enough and talented enough to figure it out, but it's not like uh, it's not plug and play the easiest yeah. thing in the world. No, and, and, and like that's part of Daryl's philosophy is superstars will figure it out. Superstars will have to figure it out. Like I think, and we'll get into this in another podcast. Um, you're right; they're not a, a, a plug and play seamless fit offensively. Like I think a lot of people look look at say, oh well, guard, big man, good fit. Well, both of them want that ball in their hands. They want to be creating. And Joel Embiid isn't the kind of, of pick and roll um dive to the hoop big man that James thrives with. So I think there is going to be a little bit of a learning curve. But 
like you said, they're smart enough and skilled enough. I expect they'll figure it out, especially if James can commit himself a little bit more to off-ball movement. Like, it's not like he can't shoot off of a catch. He just doesn't move all that much. Um, he, he's going to have to do it a little more because guess yeah. what? Joel is... He has proven that he needs his isolation possessions. He needs to catch the ball and delay and, you know, make plays for his teammates. He's good enough to do that at a really high level. Um, so James is going to have to, he's going to have to get on board with that. I, I don't, I, I actually feel okay about that though. Like I, I wanted yeah. to lay out the concerns or whatever, but I just think what he just did in Brooklyn was really impressive to me. Like, yeah, he didn't completely change up his game, but he tweaked it enough. It would have worked. I, I really well, think there it are rumblings worked. also that like he wasn't super thrilled with the system too. So, well, he wasn't thrilled with the system this year, but I also think he wasn't thrilled with like, uh, you know, he makes like a cross court skip pass and DeAndre Bembry is the guy taking sure. it. And that's re- like his re- best option. Recently waived DeAndre Bembry. I know who played well for a while. I don't want to. Also pile on DeAndre Bembry. Yeah. But, but yeah, but they, they were playing with back of the, the roster players like Kessler Edwards and, and all of these guys. Um, yeah. And, and I'm sure there was some frustration from Steve. Like there, there were rumblings about that, that Steve Nash was frustrated with, uh, with Harden's style. I think if you have two of those guys though, and you can stagger their minutes a little bit, hopefully you can make that work. I'm, I'm more optimistic about that, but, but it should be noted that Harden got sick of Chris Paul and he got sick of this Brooklyn situation, sure. even though they both worked, honestly, they both worked. And uh, at least Daryl doesn't have the draft picks to trade for Russell Westbrook. You know, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, look, there are, there are long-term concerns with Harden for sure from the agent curve to the next contract, which is going to be terrifying to, you know, him being happy in a, a, a co-star role. And look, this isn't even really a co-star role. Like, there's a a one and there's a two, and he's not the one. Uh, and is he going to be okay with that? Like, if he gets to the point, like, he, there can't be a Dwight Howard, Chris Paul situation here because he's the one who would be gone. Um, and he has to sort of realize that that's where he is in this stage of his career. There can't be a Dwight Howard, James Harden situation here. Is that not what I said? What did I say? You said Chris Paul. Well, no, I meant I meant I meant I meant those two throughout the course of James's career. Remember, remember, Dwight Howard was, you know, a big signing for yeah. for the Rockets, and he just wasn't that good at that point. He was yeah. an older player, and he uh, he was years away from fouling everybody on the Sixers, but he wasn't that elite player anymore. And now Harden is closer to that level where Embiid is. You're right, Embiid is Harden. He's smack dab in the middle of this uh, of his prime, and this is his team. This is his city, uh, and, and he's going to have to get on board with that. I. Look, there are concerns about that. There are concerns about how Harden is playing this year. He's got to play better than he played in uh, in Brooklyn. But also, this is the first time Joel Embiid has had a real, legit, all-star caliber offensive force around him. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, Jimmy Butler for a, a little bit. Um, this is the first time he has had a real elite perimeter score. And it will be fascinating to see how it watches, how, to watch how this um, turns out over the next couple of months over the next couple of years you have Tyrese Maxey to still develop um you have a lot of different ways this could go and for the first time really since Jimmy Butler walked I think the Sixers have a chance of building a championship caliber team do I know if they'll get there I don't know I think if you had to ask me like what are their odds I think you're looking even if they sign James Harden to extension you're really looking at three years I'd say maybe fifth the goal would be like 15 ish percent this year 
maybe like 25% next year and then 10% the third year just because you're worried about James's aging. But those are real legit chances. And that's the first time I felt like I could say that since the Jimmy Butler team. Uh, and that's exciting. That's what this whole thing is about. The whole process, but team building in general. It's about getting a team where you have a chance. And this is the first time I felt that way in a long time. Yeah, and w- would it be nice to trade for Anthony Davis, a, a guy who's right in his prime, and, and you know you're going to get basically his best years? Yeah. Look, the Sixers have made too many mistakes along the way yeah. to guarantee that. They just they, they have. So to go from this point where – and by the way, the, uh, you know Ben Simmons, I, I don't think that was a mistake. That was a, a player going south on them for the most part. They've had some bad luck as well uh, to go with their mistakes. I, I mean, I, I knew you weren't going to get a perfect resolution. So, you know, while we bring up all of these points and all of these points of concern, I, I just think back to what you just said. Joe's got a guy on the perimeter now who's elite. That's it. And and, and he's got his issues. He's um, I'm very worried about how he's going to age, but he, but he has a guy on the perimeter and Joe has a chance for the first time in a while. And that's, that's really important. Yeah. Um, I was sick of talking about, man, Joel's great, but they're not a contender. Well, now they have a chance to be. And do I know that they're going to be this year? No, like there's a lot of pieces that I think are going to eventually need to be flipped. But there's a chance. There's a chance they could catch lightning in the bottle. They have two guys talented enough to propel them much farther than maybe the rest of the, the, the roster warrants, especially because when you start looking at the East, and look, I was on the radio the other night, and they were like, well, how can Brooklyn be a contender when they're eighth place in the East or whatever? Well, when Kevin Durant went out, went out of the lineup, what were they? I think they were the first, the top seed in the East. They, they get healthy. They're as good as any team in the East. Uh, and it'll be fascinating to watch Ben Simmons on that team. It'll be fascinating to see what happens if these two teams meet in the playoffs. Cause like, Oh my God, there's been a lot of speculation. Like would Ben ever play in Philly again? You can't skip four games in a Eastern conference semifinals. Like you can't do that. Especially cause um, you might not have Kyrie at home. Right. Right. <laughs> no Kyrie at home. No Ben on the road. So that will be, um, yeah, but no team is perfect in their way. Uh, I do think Milwaukee will get better. I think Brooklyn will get better and will be, you know, scary if they're ever healthy. Miami's good, but the Sixers have a, uh, and look, I'm saying this about ever having watched this team play together. The Sixers have a shot against any of them. They have a shot. They they are at the table now. And that's, uh, that's important. I mean, I, I just like, Joel would say this all the time, even while he wasn't even, it wasn't like he was begging for a trade, but he was just soberly assessing the roster. And he's like, look, this has been a challenge for me this year. And I've accepted this challenge, but we got to be perfect to win. And with that roster in the playoffs, you can't be perfect in the playoffs. Like teams pick at your weaknesses and they, they make it. So you need some margin for error. Well, James Harden, is that margin? He's for a margin error. for error. Yep, that's yep. what he is. Uh, so, so he gives you a chance. Yeah, I mean that. Uh, the potential of that Brooklyn Sixers series would be. I mean, that would be. It would be unbelievable that the NBA they deal with these two guys who don't want to be there. I mean, it's really three now. Kyrie can't be in half the games because of his choice. Ben doesn't want to play. He's not going to play in any of the games. And now you have Harden basically tanking his way out of uh of brooklyn and by the way that's what he did like let's let's be completely clear here he i mean he was 
dogging it at the end of the uh, at, at, at the end of the Brooklyn era, just like he was at the end of the Houston era. It would be incredible if their reward for that was a Sixers Nets playoff series, which would just be unbelievable theater. Unbelievable. Yep. Ben Simmons having to play real live playoff basketball, which he dreads more than anything in the world. And he's got to do it in the place that hates him more than anybody in the world. I mean, it's just, uh, I look, I, we don't want to get a, ahead of ourselves. They, and by the way, it should be noted that the nets do have a game in Philadelphia in about March a month. 10th. Yep. Yeah, yep. exactly. A month. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and look, I think Ben Simmons, you know, I saw, I think, I think I saw Ramona Shelburne on TV say, that he's going to take some time to ramp up, which probably the right move since he sat out the entire year for, for a bunch of reasons. I would imagine the ramp up time is shorter than that. You know, have a nice little all-star break. He could play after that. It'll be uh it'll be fascinating to see if he plays in that game. Did you, did you watch Kevin Durant avoid picking James Harden? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And, and <laughs> talk like, about great theater. Oof. You could say whatever you want about Barkley and Shaq and all those guys, but Barkley in particular about his opinions about basketball, that dude is one of the best to ever do at a television. He's (laughs) unbelievable. Yeah. LeBron asking, uh, asking whether or not James is available to play because he's injured was just hysterical. Look, LeBron's got to get his laughs because his team sucks. So, you know, he's got to, he's got to have his fun at Kevin Durant. It would have been funny if Kevin Durant came back being like, Hey, who did you lose to last night? But, uh, (laughs) But yeah, no, LeBron played that fantastically as well. It was uh it was funny. And you know, I'm sure more will come out about the uh the Harden and Brooklyn situation. Cause like let's be real, like that was weird how that no, ended. like a month ago it didn't seem like this was a like everyone said, like, ah, hey, you could opt out. He really likes Daryl. Maybe, who knows? But it went from like maybe to like get me the fuck out of here right now and like blink of an eye. It was it was anchor man. It was boy, that, that escalated quick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it was. Cool. Well, I think uh, I think we will keep this one relatively short. Like I said, we'll probably have one here in a couple days. Thank you, Rich, for jumping on, and we will talk to you soon. See you, man.